So I have something I like to call my rich grandma method, which is basically when I get on a sales call, I truly believe that everyone has a rich grandma or something, you know, that's just a metaphor, something that they can do or use to find the money for the thing that they really want. So we have to get clear around what is it that's holding them back from actually making the money or saying yes or whatever, because it's never actually about the money. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show, where today we have on Emily Williams, who's going to talk about her coaching business and how she took a huge risk, but it all paid off. But before that, let me check in my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody, just uh, finishing up a nice long weekend, and I tried to take full advantage of it. We we went out on the lake with uh, Leslie's brother out on the boat. We did like a cookout with a friend. Actually, the friend I went to Saudi Arabia with, one of the friends, he's the one who was from Saudi Arabia. We did a big cookout with him as kind of part of a going away because he's moving to New York. We did a pool party day with some of our friends. I watched Top Gun. And I also worked on like a kind of a DIY project for, for Leslie's brother where he wanted an ice bath set up that he didn't have to put ice in. So... We're converting a uh, a big chest deep freezer into a uh, an, an ice bath kind of setup. So that's what I did this weekend. How about you, Cody? Well, I am definitely just getting over some jet lag. I've been waking up a lot earlier, coming back from Europe, and you know, kind of jumping six hours behind in time. So I've been getting up a lot earlier than I'm used to, but it's slowly starting to adjust. My body's slowly starting to get back to normal. So that's been good. I think I'm still a little jet lagged right now, but I'm guessing by tomorrow or Friday at the latest, I should be okay. On a business front, the Airbnb has actually been going really well. We just had our ninth guest stay with us and for those who listen to the podcast regularly, we launched this thing like a month ago. So we've been getting bookings after bookings after bookings. I was really skeptical that with no reviews, we weren't going to get anyone who was going to stay at our place, especially because it was a higher price point. It's kind of luxury. But nevertheless, the market is still pretty hot for Airbnbs. And we've been getting stay after stay after stay. We finally just got our third review, which means that now our reviews actually show when people are searching on Airbnb. We have a five-star review, which is amazing. Hopefully that ends up in us getting more bookings. But Justin, that's enough about us. Let's take a quick second to tell the audience about the awesome spreadsheet that you're giving them. Yeah, Cody, I'm excited to make this available to all the listeners. It's the spreadsheet that I use personally from the time I started in 2015 when I had 38K to track. And now I've got this spreadsheet that shows everything I've spent all the way up to today. We're busted over that million mark. And so it's a tool that I found kind of stood the test of time. It's got all the categories in there for you. And I think it's just a really simple tool that's worked really well for me. And I hope it works well for the listeners. All right, Justin, I can't let you get away with not hyping yourself up enough because I've seen this spreadsheet and it is just all encompassing. It tracks all of your expenses. It tracks your net worth month to month. It tracks your income. It has kind of a ledger of all of your different accounts, whether that's bank accounts, 401ks, IRAs, anywhere where your money is sitting, Justin has a place for it. And so basically what Justin did was he took his spreadsheet that he uses himself. He made a template version for all of you guys to use. And he went ahead and recorded a video to show you exactly how he uses it month to month to track his net worth, income, and expenses. You can grab all of that for free at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So today on The Fi Show, we have Emily Williams, entrepreneur, business coach. She is a wonder woman when it comes to business, finding your avatar, finding your ideal offer. She's been coaching women for over a decade at this point. But it didn't start like that. Emily actually took a huge risk. We're going to talk about that in the episode and exactly like the big pivot moment when she said, you know what, I'm going to go down this path. I'm sick of this other thing that I'm doing right now. I know that it might not work out, but I'm just going to go for it. And man, did it work out. So if you're someone who's on the fence, if you're someone who doesn't quite know what they want to do, but you kind of want to test the waters of entrepreneurship or business coaching or just productizing your knowledge in some way, shape, or form, this episode is definitely going to be a good one for you to listen to. Yeah, it's really amazing what Emily built, and she kind of practices what she preaches as well because she spent so many thousands of dollars herself on coaching, which you know I found really interesting that she believes in these kind of things so much that she's invested so much more money into herself. I think it's also just a classic tale of kind of knowing your worth and being comfortable charging more than maybe you originally thought and not having to feel sleazy about it. You know, if people are finding value out of what you're doing and they're willing to pay it, 
then it's kind of a win-win as long as they're finding success afterwards. So keep that in mind when you're out there setting prices on your products. Whether you're looking to make just a giant life pivot, you're looking into getting into coaching or starting some kind of small business, we think this episode is going to be great for you. Maybe you know someone else who you think would enjoy this episode. You can share this link or find any of the details that we talk about in this episode over at thefyshow.com slash Emily. That's thefyshow.com slash E-M-I-L-Y. Take it away, Emily. Well, my dad claims that the word money was the first word I ever spoke. (laughs) So I hope that's true because it works really well with the story. But yeah, my dad was the main entrepreneur that I saw growing up living the life of a business owner. And my grandpas, both my grandpas had businesses as well. But yeah, mainly my dad is the one that modeled what an entrepreneur should look like, act like, talk like for me. And the main thing I remember is seeing him get up around four in the morning and he even hosted meetings at like 6 a.m., which I'm sure his team hated. And then he would come home around 6 p.m. and he was a really present father. He was an amazing father. And I saw him overworking. I saw him running himself into the ground. He had a heart attack when he was 42. So there was a lot of stuff modeled to me that I ended up adopting without knowing it at the beginning of my business. And I know we're not talking about stress and burnout, but I want to mention that because although I grew up with entrepreneurship around me, I definitely saw some of the good, but I also saw saw some of the bad. And of course, I saw him being successful and making money and changing lives and following his dreams. And so that was a huge positive to me. And it showed me that I don't have to fit into the mold of just going to college and then getting a job. I could actually pursue my passion, but I would later find out that I wanted to do it in a little bit of a different way. So like you said, you saw some of the good and some of the bad, and you mentioned, you know, you didn't just like have to go to college and get like a normal job, but I know you did go to college. So kind of what was like going through your mind as far as after seeing that example, were you leaning more towards doing the entrepreneur thing or, you know, what made you choose to go to college for psychology? Yeah, I feel like I was really confused my whole life because I saw what was possible with building a business. But then there were so many people telling me, just go to school, then get your master's and follow the path. So I did actually fall into that sort of way of doing things. So I decided to go to school to get a psychology degree, as you mentioned. And then I thought, okay, well, I can kind of marry the two and I can have my own psychology practice, but that requires me going to get a master's degree. So I literally applied to 12 schools around the United States. I was accepted into nearly all of them. And I decided on Northwestern in Chicago. And so I was literally driving from Ohio, where I was from, to Chicago in the summer of 2008. And on the drive there, I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like this was not the right next step for me. And that really surprised me because I spent so many painstakingly long months trying to make this decision, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I thought I had it all nailed down, but then it was just this like really visceral, just gut instinct that this was not the right decision. And in that moment, I started to cry and I wasn't the one driving. My mom was driving and she kind of looked over at me and was asking me what was wrong. And I just flat out told her I couldn't do this. So she was, I guess, used to crazy entrepreneurs and people who do crazy things because she turned the car around and we went back to Ohio. And from there, I really just entered into a quarter life crisis where, again, I just felt really confused about what I was meant to do. And I'm sure that a lot of your listeners and and you guys can relate. I always had this feeling like I was meant for something big, but the clarity just hadn't found me yet. And so I was just in this big place of indecision. Before that point, or I could should say up to that point, did you have any experience making money outside of a corporate job? Like was your dad kind of pulling you under his wing a little bit and you'd help out with the company here and there? Or what was that entrepreneurial experience before the quarter life crisis? No, I just worked in a regular job. I mean, I had different jobs. I worked in a spa. I was a babysitter, things like that. And it wasn't until after that that I actually did go and work with my dad and experience everything firsthand. But my dad was really amazing at just kind of letting us figure out what we were meant to do. He was never pushy, but he always instilled an element of anything is possible for us. And so he didn't push anything on us. But yeah, it was always he was very inspirational and he was very open to what it was that we felt was our purpose. And when you have that moment like that, where you were expecting the whole time to go get your master's and all of a sudden you kind of stop, turn the car around. 
what did things look like as far as because you you had like a plan and all of a sudden that plan is is thrown out the window so when you go back to the drawing board like what were kind of some of the ideas that you were going through that you might do with your life Yeah. So for me, I'm not sure I knew this at the time, but looking back, it was really all about my heart. My heart, I figured had kind of gotten me into this mess. That's what I was following when I turned the car around. So I started to pay attention to what it was I actually felt like I wanted to do. And the only thing I kept hearing over and over was like an instinct, like a little voice, like a little whisper to move to London. And that might sound really random, and it definitely was. But I had visited a friend there a few years before, and I fell in love with the city. And I had literally just stepped out of Victoria Station and just felt called to live in England. And so I decided, okay, so this psychology thing's not happening. The other thing I know is I've always wanted to write a book. So I decided to apply for a master's in nonfiction writing so I could get my student visa and ended up moving to London in 2010. Uh, Didn't know anyone. I always say I moved with four suitcases and a dream because that was literally all I had. I had no money. I had to take out a student loan to be there and to go to this master's program and lived in this tiny studio apartment. And that's really where... I tried to find myself. I tried to figure out what it was that I was meant to do. And so when I first arrived, because I didn't have any friends, I ended up throwing myself into the world of online dating. Now, that's a whole other podcast episode, um, but I also threw myself into the world of entrepreneurship in the sense that I worked for a couple of small businesses who one was female founded, another one was this amazing man, and I was his only team member. And so I saw firsthand what was possible and what it was like to actually have a small business. So little by little, I started to kind of follow the breadcrumbs, so to speak. And eventually in 2013, my friend sent me Marie Forleo's website. And it was just like a short little email. And she said, I thought you'd like this. And immediately when I clicked on the link, I realized that that sort of experience of coaching and what Marie was displaying was exactly what I was looking for. Because for so many years, I'd been trying to figure out my life. I'd been doing personal development work. I'd been following the breadcrumbs. I'd been working on what it actually looks like to be happy because I actually didn't really know. I didn't know what was going to make me happy. So for that first period of time in London, I was just on a quest. And then discovering coaching, I realized, okay, this is the thing. And I obviously had to take it one step further. And so I thought, okay, well, who would I want to help? Who would excite me? And I realized that I wanted to help people who were like me, in particular women. I wanted to help them fall in love with themselves and their lives. And so that's really how my first company, I Heart My Life, came to be. It was mainly for women to help them, like I said, with life coaching and help them achieve not only um, their career goals, but also to shift their mindset, get into the space of personal development, really tune in to their heart and what it is that's calling them and move past all the fears and all the stuff that keeps us stuck. So as someone with a lot of experience helping entrepreneurs, future coaches, people who are just starting to build their businesses, what are some of those most common things that you see that's just like, it's money mindset things that maybe it's from your parents or maybe it's from the school system or maybe it's just from society in general that you see is this huge obstacle and that's a common occurrence. Yeah, it's honestly giving yourself the permission to what what it is that you want. So when I moved to London, you know, a lot of people would be like, you know what, no one in my family has ever left Ohio. That's a crazy thought. It's not going to work out. It's not possible for me. I should play it safe. And so I learned from watching my dad that there's nothing wrong with risk. And I intuitively, I don't know, maybe I was taught this, but I intuitively, like, I don't know any other way besides to follow my heart. That's just how I'm wired. And so I was able to give myself permission, but I know a lot of people aren't. And that could apply to or don't give themselves permission. And that could apply to starting a business in the first place. It could apply to actually charging for what it is that you sell. It could apply to raising your prices. It could apply to putting yourself out there in terms of marketing. It could apply to just admitting the fact that you want to fly first class. So there's a million different things that and examples we could come up with. But that's really the big thing is actually being willing to admit what it is that you want, and then obviously taking the steps to make it happen. And just to kind of get back into the the flow of the storyline and so people know a little bit more about you and your background, I know you mentioned like when you're first starting to build that brand, it was around helping people design a life that they love. Do you feel like at the time when you had that idea and when you started to build that, that you had actually created the life that you love yet? Or were you kind of like manifesting that and knew that you wanted to help people get there as you were on your way to getting there? 
Yeah, such a great question. So I've never liked to move slow, which is why when I was in that quarter life crisis, it was like hell for me because I couldn't stand the fact that I felt like I was meant for something big, but couldn't figure it out. And so when I started my business, I had a coach tell me that I actually only needed to be a step or two ahead of my ideal client to be able to help them. And so what happened was as I figured things out and gained momentum, then my ideal client shifted and maybe was a higher level person. So I really started off doing more life coaching and really just helping people get clear on their purpose and what they wanted because I had literally just figured it out. But then as my business grew, people started to ask me, how do you start a coaching business? How do you make money online? And because I had set up the business, I was taking on clients, I could help those new entrepreneurs. And then as my company scaled, I was able to help more and more people who were you know, across the spectrum in terms of, of business building. So I think that's one of the ways that we hold ourselves back. We think that we have to be perfect. We think we have to be 10 chapters ahead of the people who we want to help, but that's actually not true. And so I started to see it as my duty to help as many people as possible. So like some of those former clients asked, how did you start a coaching business? Because I know one of the hardest things when you launch anything, let's take a restaurant, for example, you open this awesome new restaurant, someone peeks their head in the door, there's nobody sitting in there. They're probably going to turn around and go to a restaurant with a ton of people in there. You got to have the social proof. You got to convince people that like you're it. So when you first started coaching, how were you getting clients? How are you marketing yourself? Because that's a really scary thing for most new entrepreneurs. Yeah. So at the time I was $30,000 in credit card debt and $90,000 in student loan debt. And that's when I started my business. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was obviously less than zero when it came to wealth. And so my husband was kind enough to lend me his credit card. And I used his credit card to invest in the first program that really helped me get my business off the ground. That was $7,500, which was a lot of money because he was only making about 36 grand a year. And I was, you know, had no money. (laughs) So we took a big risk. And I think that just speaks to, you know, my level of confidence in myself and my level of connection to my belief in what I was doing and what I was born to do. Um, So that's really one of the key components. You have to believe in yourself and your mission before anyone else will. And so I had a lot of belief and conviction that I was going to do something big. I just didn't know how to do it. So I decided the best way to get the results that I want is to hire somebody who's come before me. And so I started to look in the online space and see, okay, well, who has a life that I want? Who has a business that I want? And so I found this mentor who combined mindset, coaching, and business strategy. And at the time, I had no idea that I needed more mindset work. I literally you know, just wanted all the business stuff. I wanted her to teach me about marketing, and she did. But one of the key components and kind of levels of mastery that I realized I needed to acquire in order to be successful is money mindset and learning how to think about money, learning how to have sales calls, learning how to charge, learning how to continuously raise my prices and move past all the fear and doubt that comes along with that. So in the beginning, in July 2014, I made $442 in my business. I was like, this is not going to cut it. (laughs) I wanted to create six figures and I wanted to do it fast. So I started to um, reach out to my current network. And I just shared my new company name, I Heart My Life, the coaching packages that I had. And that got me a little bit of momentum. But then I explored the world of online marketing, in particular, Facebook ads. Now, I got a few clients right away. But again, it was only like two grand a month. And I knew that in order for this to be sustainable, I had to ramp things up. So there was a period of time where I was starting to dabble into Facebook ads. I was in Facebook groups, which kind of at the time, you you could sell a bit more in Facebook groups than you currently can. And I ended up getting on 54 sales calls in a row over the span of six weeks. Now, don't get too excited. I had (laughs) 53 out of 54 no's. So everyone said no to working with me. And what I realized was that I really needed to get clear on how to have these sales calls and more specifically, how to actually talk about money. Now, I think this is where a lot of people fall short, especially in the beginning. We don't want to have a financial conversation with people who we're on the phone with. We feel like that's too invasive. We can't, you know, we can't come on so strong when this is like a stranger, basically. But what I realized was it was actually my duty to have a conversation with money about all these with these people. 
because they were literally telling me, you know what, Emily, this sounds amazing. I really want to work with you. And then the next breath, they would say, no, I'm so sorry, but I can't afford it. And so for me, there was a disconnect there. And so I started to just ask the question and I said, you know, would you, if you had the money in the bank, would you do this? Like, is it a real yes for you? Or are you using money as an excuse? And if they said yes, then I would say, okay, great. So are you willing to have a conversation with me about how you can find the money or how you can make the money? Like, like let's get creative here. And more often than not, it actually wasn't about the money. It was about fear, doubt, insecurity, other things holding them back. What would people think if they left their safe job? Can they actually start a business? Can they put themselves out there online? And so I started to be really open with these sales conversations and help them get to the root of what was really holding them back. And frankly, I just didn't put up with all their BS excuses because I realized they were excuses. You know, I was over here over six figures in debt and I still started my business. I still found a way to do it. And so I started sharing my story more and more and sharing um, what was possible, even if it was stories of my mentor or other people who I followed in the industry. And I took a stand for these clients who really didn't have anyone else in their life taking a stand for them. And lo and behold, that started to help me gain momentum. People were able to find the money. Uh, And in October 2014, I had my first 6K month, which meant in my mind, I was able to leave my part-time job. And I just went full speed ahead into my business. After that, I had a 20K month, then 30K month. Then I had an $83,000 month. And I made six figures in my first six months in business and went on to make seven figures in my first 18 months. That's an awesome like buildup. And I mean, it happened so fast, you know, congratulations on that. That's, you know, that's a really impressive numbers. Like when you're building something like that, I'm kind of interested on how you scaled something like that. Like if it's because it sounded like it was very kind of one on one working with them, coaching. How does that turn into something that can scale to the point where you've got enough time in the day to sell eighty three thousand dollars worth of yourself? Yeah. So it was really challenging at first. There was a point where I had 27 one-to-one clients, which I would not recommend to anyone. (laughs) And I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. So I'm glad you asked me that question because the numbers (laughs) sound impressive, but the behind the scenes, it was really hard. And so I realized I needed to quickly learn how to run group programs, how to create online courses, things that wouldn't require my direct time. And so I hired my coach. I had already been working with her, but I basically upgraded to her next level package. And she supported me in understanding how to make something that was one to many. So I put out my first group program that December. And then from there, started to develop courses, um, ran another round of my group program. I also raised my prices quite dramatically. So I went from charging $1,500 for 90 days to $3,000 to $5,000 to $7,500 to $25,000 and so on and so forth. And so I just kept raising that that price point on one-to-one. It became more exclusive. And then I served more of a, a volume of people in the group programs and within my courses. And so from there, I was able to get a bit more of diversification. And it was really great because the people in the course went into the group program, the group program people, you know, those who wanted to go to the next level went into one-on-one and that really helped me scale. So one of your blog posts that I really enjoyed looking at was what did not get me to seven figures. And I just want to, you know, kind of zoom in on one of these for a second, because I struggled with this a ton when I first got into entrepreneurship and that was holding on to your money. And I know in that post, you talk about like how, for example, me being scrappy and frugal as an entrepreneur early on, like helped me to like become successful. And I had super low expenses. I know you were in the same bucket. You said you were, you know, in a hundred thousand dollars of debt, you moved to London with no belongings. Like you've been there before you've done the struggling, you've been scrappy, but that doesn't scale. That doesn't turn you into seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneur. So thinking back, what are some things that you did that now you'd be like, I would absolutely not do that anymore. That's just like not scalable. That's not how you get to the next level. I tried to do everything on my own. So definitely would have hired a team much quicker. And that doesn't mean you, you know, have 10 people on the roster, but even those core people who can support you in growth, who can support you in even, you know, delivering an amazing experience for your clients. So it's not all all on you or, you know, even more marketing support. So you're not the one posting on Instagram all the time. Like what are the things that are either going to make you money or save you time, which obviously will equate to you having more time to do the high level tasks. So that's definitely one thing. Um, And then I would say worrying about what people think 
And I think that's a really big thing, especially for women when we're putting ourselves out there online and just questioning every post, every email, everything that we send. And what I realized was no one was actually looking for perfection. They were actually looking for more vulnerability. They really resonated with the fact that I hadn't started my business that long ago, but it was inspiring for them to see how quickly I was able to make my new reality happen. And so just letting the guard down a bit more and not worrying about what people think. Those were really the main things or some of the main things I would do differently. Speaking of maybe what other people might think, one thing that might jump out to people is, you know, I know like you've talked a lot about like mentors and the coaching that you yourself have kind of paid for. I know you had the one article that talks about spending over $600,000 in mentoring over like the course of this, like I see one's like $120,000 on a high level mastermind, $120,000 on like relationship coaching. Like those are huge numbers to be investing in yourself. Like, I guess, how did you get over the mental hurdle of thinking like, no, this $120,000 is going to come back to me in multiples. It's definitely worth it. So I think a lot of people, obviously it's a big number. It's like buying a house or buying a car or whatever. And what I realized was that I did trust myself to make that money back and to make it a worthwhile investment. And I think a lot of people, it's less about the program and it's more about the trust in yourself. Do you think you're going to get an ROI? Are you going to follow through? Are you going to actually show up? Are you going to ask the questions? And of course, the first six-figure investment I made, it was with a coach I had worked with before. So there was already a level of trust there. So you don't have to start off at that place. You could start with a VIP day or a course or something and build up trust from there. But I also knew that I wanted to learn how to charge those type of prices. And one of the best ways for me to do that was to put myself in the room and essentially rub shoulders with people who were already doing it. Because I would be a major hypocrite if I wanted to charge six figures for a package and yet I hadn't invested at that level. And so I started to really recognize that I needed to kind of you know, walk the talk, so to speak, and actually put myself in that caliber of person, that level with that caliber of person and and literally put myself in the room. And I had a strong sort of inkling that my network would be my net worth. And I know we hear that phrase a lot, but I've really seen it to be true. So even if someone doesn't directly refer you clients, there's people I've met in a mastermind and masterminds where they become speakers in my mastermind, or they have me as a guest on their podcast or whatever it is. And I just realized that I wasn't going to reach my, my big goals, just sitting behind the computer. I needed to go out and meet people. I also was really passionate about like expanding my own knowledge and really refining my skill set, especially if I was going to be charging a high price point, I needed to know what I was doing. So I was just able to get to that place in my mind. And I'm not saying it wasn't scary, but I also had the support of my husband, which I know not everyone has that support, but he really believed in me. And so he was like, okay, do it. And frankly, we didn't own any property. We didn't have kids. Like there was very low risk for us. And in my mind, I just kind of rationalized it and thought, you know, if this doesn't work out for whatever reason, like the worst thing that can happen is I go get another job and you know, whatever, at least I've tried. And so that's the way I thought about it. And it's really worked for me. For those in our audience who are business owners looking to even have a fraction of the scaling success that you had, Emily, what do you have for business organization tips? Are you like a vision board? Are you a Asana person or some other similar app? Or like, what's your kind of strategy when it comes to actually, you know, doing the stuff that needs to get done to bring that business to the next level? I kind of just use Google Docs or a journal and I get everything out on paper first and foremost. You know, what is this year about for you? What is the strategy? What are, well, first, what are the goals? What are the financial goals that you want to reach? And how are you going to get there? What are you selling? And then I ask myself, you know, how are we actually going to do that? What's the marketing? And all the nitty gritty that goes in a sauna. I mean, we have boards for days. Everything is in there. (laughs) And finally, in the past few years, I've gotten really good at SOPs and our processes. And so, We're not reinventing the wheel every week. (laughs) We're actually doing things over and over and refining. And now other people could step into our asana and be able to run the business if something were to happen to me. So we actually have routine boards for every single role. So, you know, if we have a VA and they do something weekly or daily or monthly, all of that is documented in videos. So there's a lot of stuff that has been happening behind the scenes over the last few years just to make sure our processes are there and everything is organized because I just realized we were bleeding money just doing things over and over and not actually documenting and organizing everything. 
And what about like digging in a little bit into the actual impact that you're having through this? I mean, it's awesome, like the, what you've built for yourself, but thinking about like the clients that you had, if you're looking back on maybe one of your early success stories that really made you think this is, go- this is working, like this is not just working for me as a business, but this is sustainable because I'm helping people. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was really powerful to see women basically say that they didn't even recognize their own life. Like I've had multiple people say that to me. And for me, what that means is being able to see them start their own business, get momentum, get clients, retire themselves from their day-to-day job, and also allow, you know, there a lot of them have husbands who also wanted to follow their dreams. Many of them have been able to allow their husbands to leave a job that they don't like, which is what I did as well, and either join them in the company or pursue something that really lights them up. And so for me, I believe that we all have the capacity to create wealth and we might not know how to do it yet. We might not have the examples in front of us. I know we are we are incredibly blessed in the Western world to have lots of examples of what's possible, but I believe that there is money available for all of us. We can just need to take the steps to make it happen if that's our desire. And so really helping women connect with their desire first and foremost is where we always start. And everyone has a different sort of idea of what a successful life looks like or what a a wealthy life looks like. And so my job is just to help you tap in to what that actually is. And then we can create a plan to make it happen. So for some people, they want to hit six figures. Other people, they want to hit, you know, 3 million. And there's no right or wrong for me. I just love to see people living out their true purpose, following their heart, no longer allowing their fears and doubts to hold them back and obviously making a big impact in the world and also transforming their lives and their children's lives. And I think money mindset is a great way to do that because we all have programming that's not only from our parents and our grandparents, but literally for pre- from you know previous generations before that, for thousands of years before that, it's all imprinted. And so I love helping people understand you know, what's holding them back and helping them bust through that because the sky is truly the limit. Well, I got to say, I also got kind of sucked into just reading some of your student testimonials. And it's just amazing some of the impact that you've been able to have, like people making, I think, a $3.5 million launch and some people just like 3Xing their typical revenue from whatever product they were selling before. It's absolutely insane. And I think something that you do really well, and it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, that this could be maybe something that you helped your students with, but it's finding like the perfect avatar. So for example, just to kind of give you an idea of what I mean. I had a friend, Grant Sabatier, who way back in the day was like building websites for clients. And he started by like selling websites to scrappy entrepreneurs who could pay like four or 500 bucks. And, you know, if they had a really good website versus an okay website, it's like, all right, it's probably not going to get them too much more revenue or anything like that. But then he started figuring out that he could charge like law firms. I think he was charging them like 30 to $50,000 for a website. It took relatively the same amount of work, maybe a couple dozen more hours but he could just charge a much higher ROI because that was like the return that his client got was so much higher than that original scrappy entrepreneur. So I know that's a very long-winded way for me to ask my question, but I just wanted to give you the context on that. Like, how do you find that high-paying avatar? How do you find someone where your impact, I guess a good analogy is you drop a rock in the ocean and it's going to leave a bigger splash because you found the person that you can have a larger impact with? That's such a great question. And I love that example because it just shows people what's possible. So for me, it really starts with, like I said, tuning in to what it is you want to create, because I believe that you can charge whatever you want. There are people out there charging 1.3 million for coaching. I know someone in particular, there are people charging 3000, like you get to decide what it looks like for you. And so when we remove all of the fear and doubt and insecurity, and we get to the core of, okay, what would be the best case scenario here for you? What is the desire? What is the goal? How much money do you want to be bringing in? How much money do you want to net? That's really the starting point. And then we can kind of back into it and figure out what the plan is. And so for a lot of my clients, they know who they want to work with. There's just fear or doubt or insecurity holding them back, or they haven't put themselves into the category of someone who can actually help that person. And so it really starts with the mindset shifts. And I feel like the marketing and all of those pieces are really easy. And I'll touch on that in a second. But if you don't believe that you are worthy of working with that type of person, or you don't believe that someone will pay for that service, then that's the first thing we need to figure out and be able to move through. And I often say to people, everyone can find the money for something that they want. So 
I have something I like to call my rich grandma method, which is basically when I get on a sales call, I truly believe that everyone has a rich grandma or something, you know, that's just a metaphor, something that they can do or use to find the money for the thing that they really want. So we have to get clear around what is it that's holding them back from actually making the money or saying yes or whatever, because it's never actually about the money. So anyway, long story, we have to do the mindset work first to figure out what might be holding you back. And then in terms of the marketing, I actually find for high ticket, oftentimes it's about personal connection. So one of our top masterminds, which is $95,000, I actually sold from an in-person workshop that was free. And so what we did is we had people apply for this workshop and we vetted them. They had to be at a certain level in terms of business. They had to pay for their ticket, but it was refundable if they actually attended. And so they came to the workshop. We did two of those and we filled uh, seven spots in a $95,000 mastermind from 17 people in two workshops. And so when people actually experience you, maybe it's in a mastermind, maybe you're actually hosting something. It's really different. And I know that I run an online business and there's something amazing about the online space, but I think a lot of us are kind of coming full circle and that we're understanding how powerful it is to actually connect in the room and people can experience your mastery. And if you're you know, a website designer, maybe it's a little bit different, but you could go to a space where you know there are high net worth individuals. Maybe you can speak to all these lawyers or get yourself in a room where you know people have money and they want an easy way to get the result that they're craving. And you know, you're right there. They already know you. There's already connection. There's already a level of trust. Or using your current network, your top favorite client, have them refer you to their colleagues or peers, give them a small cut or whatever you want to do of, of the money of whatever it is that you sell. So really for me, high ticket is about people and it's about um, those in-person connections. And whether it be with your own business that you've built or when you're coaching other people and building their business, you, you talked a little bit about marketing. What do you think it is that's kind of helping you or these clients stand out? It just seems like in one of these online businesses and coaching, there's so many options. There's so many people out there. Like, how do you not to kind of get lost in the noise? Well, speaking of websites, I feel like there's no excuse for bad branding this day and age. (laughs) And so for me, really quickly out of the gate, I saw the value of branding because when I personally, when I went to different coaches' websites, I wanted to see something that was attractive. And I'm not just talking about how they look, but it it should look put together. If someone is going to learn from you, especially in the space of branding, marketing, business building, you should have something that they want. And for me, it starts with a website. It starts with how you first present yourself. And so I invested in photography and branding very early on. I happened to be good at building websites. And so I built my early websites. I actually built my current website, but I don't recommend that for people. If you're not good at design, outsource it, but at least have professional photos, at least have a professional email address. Like just think about how you're coming across when somebody first stumbles on you. And then I would say the other thing is just to be vulnerable and to share your story because people will buy from people. And even if you have a company where you're not the face of the brand or it's not a personal brand, what is the company story? What is the company mission? Why should people care? Why should they buy into this? Because people have their pick of the litter now, you have to have something for people to attach to, something for them to believe in, something that they're going to want to speak to their friends about and refer people to you. And I think it just comes down to the branding and the messaging. So I heard you say refer there and you said giving a cup before I even wrote a note down here. How much does affiliate marketing kind of play into the whole equation here? Or is that something you typically recommend for your coaching clients? Definitely. If you have a big network or you have, I mean, the main way that my clients will utilize this is they will present in other groups, groups that are already in front of their ideal client, but not necessarily offering their service. So for example, I have a client who is a profit first expert. And so she's trained in that methodology so she can go in and teach other people about their finances and she can get clients that way. And so then she can work with the leader of the group and come up with some sort of affiliate deal to have a cut of whatever it is that she sells. Other people in big launches will have affiliate partnerships. For me, the main way I use affiliates is through high ticket. So for our courses and things like that, we do have a few affiliates like past students and things like that. But for me, the referral program that we have with our high ticket has the one that's been the most lucrative. And it seems like, you know, you're 
definitely like really changing people's lives. Like those are huge differences. Like when they start these businesses and they really get them going. But I know you probably have, you know, a good bit of clients. Do you have this kind of desire to keep in touch and follow along? Like, you know, I can imagine having like a personal connection when you've seen someone go through this transformation, you wanted to kind of follow along long term. Like just curious personally for you, what that's like to see clients kind of get spun up and go on their way. Yeah, it's so rewarding. And it's really interesting because I feel like in the beginning of my coaching journey, I was kind of taught the opposite. You know, don't get too close to people, make sure there's that client coach relationship. And I understand that to a certain extent. And I know that there, especially me in the beginning, I didn't know how to navigate those relationships. I didn't know to have boundaries, so to speak, energetically. And so I took a lot of a lot of the weight on and I felt a lot of pressure to like get people results. And not that I don't want to get people results now, but I also understand that there's a level of personal responsibility that people need to take when they're investing in a coaching program or working with a coach. Like I'm not there holding your hand every second. I can't make you send the email. I can't make you get on Instagram live. Like you got to do it for yourself. And so when I was able to create more of an energetic boundary, that really helped me actually be closer to them. And I know that might sound like the complete opposite thing, but I just didn't take on all their stuff. I was able to kind of, you know, have that at an arm's length away and able to just have a healthier client coach relationship without being worried about the relationship itself. And so now I am able to maintain those relationships. And I do have some clients who I've been in contact with, you know, for seven, eight years, we have a client in our mastermind who I worked with back in 2015. And now she's come back around and is working with us again. And so although, you know, there's a lot of people to try and stay in touch with, it is always amazing just to see what people are doing. And I'm always of the mindset of like, go, you know, faster than me, do more than me, you know, show other people what's possible. It's super fun to watch. Definitely. Yeah. We had a woman in our Etsy course who made like multiple six figures and she's just crushing it. She's like, she's earning more than we do in our shops. And I'm like, you go, girl. <laughs> That's awesome. I love For that. those who sell their own products or services or anything else online, what do you think is one of the most underutilized channels? And what I mean by that, it doesn't have to be like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Like this could be in-person events. This could be the rich grandma example. Like what is the one lever that people aren't pulling that they maybe should pull when they're selling whatever online? I think personal outreach. And mm. so a lot of people are nervous about being too spammy. But like literally just ask the question. So let me give you a tangible example. I have this colleague who does video production and I haven't spoken to him probably in two years. And he messaged me the other day. He sent me an email and just said, you know, here's my new website. We now have this new service. Are you interested? And literally in that moment, I was talking to one of my team members about how we want to jump into more videography. And so he and I even told him, I said, this is such a reminder for me to reach out more often, especially if I come across someone's website or even if they pop into my head, I believe that they've popped into my head for a reason. Just reach out, you know, be a human. You don't have to go straight into the sale, ask them how they're doing, ask for an update on their life and you know what's going on. But then just say, I'd love to talk to you more about my course or I have this amazing new program. I think it'd be a great fit for you. Do you want to hop on a quick call? And just be willing to ask the question. And this could also apply to people who follow you on Instagram. Maybe you could have somebody on your team or like a VA, a $5 an hour VA messaging people, asking them, you know, you're here, you're new, awesome, welcome. What is it that you're craving? What do you want from my account? You know, what would you love to see? Or maybe you give them a free training, like a masterclass or something. Although automation is brilliant and we all love paid advertising, just think about how you can create that more human connection. And obviously we've talked a lot about creating the value and actually finding the customers, but what about situations maybe for people who are starting to do something like this to understand when they're about to go down the road of a client that's actually not a good fit for them. It's actually, it's going to be a, a detriment if they take on that client. Like maybe understanding how to prospect and figure out who really it's going to work for and, and how that's going to, you know, work. so it's a win-win and you don't end up with a, a bad situation that maybe leads to like bad publicity or what have you. Yeah. So for me, and you might already understand this based on the conversation so far, I'm very big on pairing heart and mindset with strategic action. So I don't believe I'm just going to like go to the top of the mountain and meditate my way to multi-millions. That's not how I work. You have to take the action. 
But I do think that more often than not, when I've had an issue with a client or have somebody in a program who's not a good fit, I can look back and see that there was an energetic mismatch. Either we had a sales call and I felt like something was off with that person, or we met in person and there was something weird with their energy. And so just learning to trust yourself. And if something feels off, it probably is. And either be able to have an open and honest conversation about what it is. Maybe it's I'll just give you a recent example. We had somebody who has a very unsupportive spouse, somebody who's been abusive in the past. And it's very challenging to work with people who don't have a support system you know, right there for them. And I'm not saying I won't, but it, it just becomes more challenging. So maybe they share something like that with you on the call. Maybe you can go a little bit deeper and just say, okay, well, is this going to be an issue? Are they going to be able to be supportive? Is this going to hold you back? Is this going to cause you to have turmoil in your personal life that's going to affect your business or the thing that we want to do together? Because I think, especially in the beginning, we can be so graspy for the sale that we end up taking on the wrong people. And that's really where mindset comes in. Just believe that there's an abundance of clients out there for you. Just like if you were dating somebody, you wouldn't just take anyone home or take them to meet your parents. You would want them to be an amazing partner and you believe that you deserve the best. And it's the same for clients. And so when we operate with an abundance mentality and we're not graspy and we're not thinking and we're not operating from a place of lack, which is what a lot of people do, then we're able to make better decisions and we only take on those soulmate clients. So 2013, you start I Heart My Life. Six years later, you publish the I Heart My Life book. I guess, what was kind of the genesis of that? Why did you see the need? What was the whole process like? Just curious, why the book? Well, I'm glad you're asking this question because it makes the fact that I went to get a master's in nonfiction writing a lot less random. <laughs> like there really was a method to my madness. So yeah, around that time, again, this is just, it's an example of, yes, I do the strategy, but I also do the mindset and I believe in miracles. My friend was also a Hay House author who's my publisher. And she called me one day and she said, you know, I just got a message from my editor and they're looking for new authors. Do you want me to put in touch, put you in touch with them? And I was like, yes, of course. And so literally I got an email introduction to the editor one day, I think it was a Thursday and she personally needed to submit a new author author candidate by Monday. And so she needed me to put a proposal together. So this is where like my hustle really pays off and my ability to work really hard. Um, Cause I basically dedicated myself to this proposal over the next 72 hours, turned it in and had my book contract by Monday. I think I signed the contract two weeks later and then started writing my book uh, that summer. So I just knew I had a story to share. I've always loved writing. I actually see myself as a writer more than a coach in many ways. Um, And so it was really a dream come true. And I decided, you know, in full sort of abundance mentality, I decided to write my book at the Four Seasons in Florence because I want it to be in a beautiful space and just, you know, surround myself with luxury and abundance and really just give myself the space to devote everything to this book. And it was actually a really easy process. I wrote it really quickly because I had years worth of content to pull from. I literally took all my best newsletters, put it into these Google Docs and just started going through it and then reorganizing it. And then obviously rewrote some of it, put it together in book format, but it was actually really easy. (laughs) And then the editing was a little bit of a different story, but the writing happened fairly easily. So you've built such a successful business with multiple different ways of selling your services. You've, you've got the book. Like kind of what do you see on the horizon? Is it another book? Is it a different avenue that you're going into? Kind of like what do you see is next for you? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big vision. And before I go into that, I should say that at the end of when was it? Well, like a little bit over a year ago at the beginning of 2021, I woke up on New Year's Day and I was about to launch this membership for coaches. And I started to feel like just thinking about it made me feel like I couldn't breathe. Like it just, it was not the right next step for me. And so on New Year's, I made this decision that I wasn't going to move forward with the launch, which was about to happen in two weeks, and that I needed to change everything in my business, (laughs) like literally everything. And so I had this big 
big pivot, essentially, and I call it the prosperous pivot because I don't believe that you need to like shut everything down and be broke. So my intention was to split my companies apart because what I realized was that I Heart My Life had turned into something it was never meant to be. Like I said to you guys, it was a life coaching company. It was meant to be for all women. It wasn't meant to just be for entrepreneurs. And yet that's kind of what I fell into. And so I realized I needed to make some big decisions in order to get it to head in the direction that it's meant to go in versus just waiting for it to naturally happen. And so last year I chose to make the Emily Williams coaching and consulting brand and brand and separate that off from I Heart My Life. So I Heart My Life could be what it was always born to be. And so under Emily Williams, that's where I work with entrepreneurs. I support them in my mastermind. We have VIP days. We do one-on-one coaching. But I Heart My Life, above all else, is an education education and personal development company for all women who want to create a life that's better than their dreams. And so for me, career and business is a very small portion of that. I want to talk about things like relationships, mindset, spirituality, finances, lifestyle. And so we already have the podcast, the I Heart My Life show. We already have the book. We have courses, but we're actually launching a brand new membership this summer. And then we're going to bring back our flagship event called I Heart My Life Live. And then I want to bring out, um, bring up some, some luxury experiences for people. So I Heart My Life luxury experiences in different cities like Lake Como, London, like all the places, Malibu. So women can get a taste of what's possible for them. And then kind of at the heart of all of that is really the community and connecting other people to like-minded women women who are doing big things, women who believe that anything is possible, because I think so many of us don't grow up with that mentality. I was lucky enough to do so, but I really want that to be at the core of what we do, just building those connections, because it's so much easier to follow your dreams when you have that support system. So then I want to get into the product space. I want to have products in Target. I want to eventually have I Heart My Life houses, which will be kind of like networking clubs. I want to have a fashion line. Like, so like I said, (laughs) we could talk about this for days. Well, you you definitely are keeping yourself busy, Emily. And if the past is any indication of the future, I have no doubts you will do all that stuff and more. For those who want to get in touch, follow along. I know you're all over the place. I mean, currently and then five years check back and maybe they can go set up your clothing line account. (laughs) But uh, where do you want to direct people? Where do you want people to follow along, stay in contact, all that good stuff? Yeah. So I Heart My Life is at iheartmylife.com. We also are on Instagram at iheartmylife. And like I said, that brand is really for any woman who wants to create a life that's better than her dreams. And then if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking to start or grow an online business and you want to have the support in that area, you can go to emilywilliams.com. And we focus, focus a lot on money mindset as well and just supporting you and creating the wealth that you're craving. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us some of your time. I know you must be extremely busy. You've built a lot of really impressive businesses here. So thank you for coming on the show and kind of telling your story as well as maybe inspiring some others to start their own business. Thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you for the work that you guys do in the world. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.